With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Illustrated live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Nate Bauer, senior insider for Blue White Illustrated, with us today to talk about Penn State practice. And Nate, there, I don't know what it is about August, but there was just this cool air that descended upon Happy Valley like this week, just August 1st, bam, 70s, beautiful football weather, Nate. Football weather is here to celebrate the beginning of the season, which starts in training camp. It, it hasn't been too hot this summer, right? I, I don't know. I've been fairly comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it was 90-something degrees real feel for like a straight week. But you know yeah, not, not, not compared to other places in America. No, it has yeah. been fine here. Yeah. But it was may, literally perfect this week. I'm, I may have been out of town for that 90-degree uh, week. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But no, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. You know, football's back. I don't know about you, but I was... Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I bring up this point constantly, and maybe you and I feel differently about this, but like, you know, look, this is year 19 for mm-hmm. me. Uh, and so there's there's a little bit of like, uh, well, school's coming back, you know, um, the, the recess is over, can't, can't, uh, can't enjoy the summer the way that we have. But when you get to the Lash building and you get back outside there and the pads are on and, you know, uh, I mean, kind of on right it's uh yeah. it's thud right now for penn state but but just to see it just to be back in that environment is fun and yeah uh, it's uh it's good to get back into the groove i will give you my general feeling on how i felt this week and, and especially yesterday and i'll just sum it up in one word and really this is my preseason chant every year football yeah that's how we're feeling today <laughs> Everybody just logged off because you're you screaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's called energy, Nate. We're bringing the know, energy this morning. I know. I'm trying. <laughs> you're the energy guy. I'm not the energy guy. Anyway. Too much energy sometimes, as you pointed out. Uh, so th- we're going to get to that today. We're going to talk about Penn State Open practice, what we saw, and of course, uh, some of the things that we have here in the hopper. Nate's got some interesting stuff that I don't even know what he's going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, just something he texted me before the show, so we'll get to that in a little bit. It concerns the starting quarterback for Penn State football. Um, we'll also get to your questions today. The mailbag, Nate, is back in full force. I've got like seven or eight questions from the Blue White Illustrated message board. Um, and of course, as we go throughout the show, drop your questions into the mailbag as well. We'll get to some during the show here in the first period, but save most of them for that final segment, which is dedicated to you, the final segment of live shows this week in the BWI mailbag. One of my favorite things to do is talk about what people want to talk about and that no better way than go directly to the source. Uh, but the first thing I want to do 
is I want to talk about what we saw yesterday. Penn State news practice is back. What was the general tone of your side of the football? For those that don't know, we split these these things up. I focused on the quarterbacks receivers. Nate handled the defense. So what was the tone that you saw at practice yesterday? Yeah, and, and Greg handled all of it. He just <laughs> scurried yeah. around the field like a mosquito. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was good, right? It uh, it's kind of interesting because I always see and think of the right. The NCAA has this constantly evolving set of rules about what can and cannot be done, right? And it's and it feels as though it's progressively uh, less intense. Right. Like, okay, well, you can't put full pads on until I think it's seven days now. The acclimation period is no longer three days. It's seven. But you wouldn't you wouldn't notice the. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I did not notice the difference between yesterday and a midseason Wednesday practice. Like it felt yeah. very much the same uh, in terms of environment, in terms of intensity. You know, it, it's just nobody. Nobody really tackles to the ground anymore anyway, yeah. right? Like you don't have that necessarily violent, uh, full contact type practices, even in the season. So really yesterday felt like, I mean, they start and they're at a hundred miles an hour, right out of the gates. So yeah. that's, that was kind of the, uh, kind of the, the opening vibe. There's, there's no, uh, there's no ramping up, uh, really when it comes to preseason camp. Yeah, I, I thought just from my assessment of the offense, guys were fired up. It was an intense practice. There was there was a very serious undertone. There are times, you know, like late in November, the team is probably mentally fatigued at that point, that things can get a little bit light. Guys can get a little bit loose. There was none of that. Everyone seemed really dialed in. I even heard one coach yelling, you know, like, don't waste these reps. Like yep. that was kind of the main thing of get through this drill and we want to get as many people through this as possible. And they always feel that way. Like this is not different, but just like the seriousness of how everything was, uh, the tone of everything yesterday to me, there was, I, it wasn't tight, but it was definitely like business, business, business for the Nittany lions. Um, it's a pretty intense. Yeah. To the point of chippy at certain times yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Look, it's, uh, this is competition season, right? And and from the word go, it, it it will actually it's it's funny it'll it'll actually change as the preseason goes along. I mean, even once they get to the third or fourth week where it shifts into game week, the the tone will change a little bit. But for right now, it's not about West Virginia; it's about Penn State, and it's about hey, it, look whether you're slated to be a starter or not, somebody's coming for your job. That is the way that that James Franklin has designed this program. He he has organized it, recruited it, brought in transfers, you name it. All of it is with the intent of making sure that the the guy that is kind of holding on to a number one spot at every position feels uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's that. That's the whole point: is make him feel uncomfortable. And so that's what they've that's what they've uh, established. And I feel like that is definitely part of the environment that you see. Uh, out of the gates in preseason practice. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you want to check out what I saw, we're going to be we're going to be covering most of it today. Uh, but we also have the open practice highlights on the YouTube channel. Got those up last night. So, uh, you know, check those out as well. Well worth it. But before we get to anything else, we got to get to today's title sponsor. And that is my perfect franchise. Andy Ludicky is a franchise consulting expert. Help you pr place you into a franchise uh, that fits you and fits your lifestyle. We actually had a chance to catch up with Andy uh, last week, last Friday, and uh, want to share some notes of that conversation just because there's a, there's a couple of cool things here, and there's also a couple of things that I learned. Just because there's a mini recession, I, I think is the way he phrased it, uh, because of interest rates and all those business things that maybe we don't talk about here on the show, it doesn't mean that business is dead. Certain sectors, they take a step back. Others take a step forward. So if you, the, the home sector, home improvement is what I'll call it, um, is booming right now, according to Andy. Less house sales means more people staying in their home longer and improving it. I am living proof of that. I have been all off season upgrading different parts of our house. Now I've been doing it DIY, but that's because I'm a masochist and I hate like, you know, there's that pleasure of putting yourself through something difficult. If that's not you and you're like, you know what? You're like Nate and Nate's smarter than I am. Just be like, you know, why don't we get this done right? Well, maybe a business that you could invest in. Um, maybe that, you know, they he talked quite a bit about home insulation with we were talking about heat and cool today. Got a lot of people in the chat talking about how hot it is in Texas. Well, you know, insulation isn't just about keeping the, the warm in. It's about keeping the cool out as well. All these things that, you know, you may not be thinking about, but maybe you're an expert on these. Uh, Andy can help you uh, learn more about a business, learn what you know, and then place you into the business that uh, he thinks is best for you using his expertise. He can help others find their American dream through a very thorough consultation process. Uh, call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. Best of all, his services are 100% free, so you can do uh, what you do best, and you don't have to lose anything in the situation. Uh, you can uh, give him a call if you're looking at the screen, 404-973-9901. Uh, cool, some cool stats I wanna give you as well. We have a BWI member who is in the final stages of purchasing a franchise and you know, Andy has a deal with our parent company as well, so it's not just us at Blue White Illustrated, but Blue White Illustrated, one of the most active groups of getting in touch with Andy. So people just like you, they're going out and they're trying to find their American dream, trying to change their life. So if you want to get in on MyPerfectFranchise.net, go to MyPerfectFranchise.net or call him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. So thanks to Andy for being a, uh, a committed sponsor of the show. Always appreciate that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. We've, we, we've teased it enough, Nate. Yeah. You texted me and you're like, uh, insight into the timeline for the announcement on the starting quarterback. And I was just like, Listen, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I, so, I don't think I said insight. I just okay. said I wanted to talk about it because I do okay. think that there's a little bit of a pattern here that mm-hmm. uh, that we can discuss and speak intelligently about how this is actually going to play out. Right. Because look, nobody in the chat isn't with us here that thinks Drew Aller isn't going to be the starter, right? I mean, that's let's start there. That's our baseline yeah. is Drew Aller will will be Penn State starter. Uh, but James Franklin is is continuing as he does with the notion of a preseason competition. This is actually T Frank. Guess maybe maybe you read my thing yesterday. Maybe you didn't guess how many times has James Franklin in his prior nine seasons had to name a starting quarterback? Don't think about it. Just guess. Uh, three, two, two. I didn't know if like the Hackenberg decision was a decision or how he it treated wasn't. that one. So it was, yeah, yeah, two. Right? That makes <laughs> so, so over nine years, <laughs> over nine years, James Franklin has had to make a public, uh, a public announcement about who Penn State now, starter. Now, now Nate, Nate, there's a competition every year. You made I get that very it. clear at Big Ted Media Day. There's a competition every year. I get it. <sighs> but he's gonna, but he's gonna have to. But this is the first time since Sean Clifford and the and. Sean Clifford was the first time since Trace McSorley that he'll, it'll have to be somebody new. So obviously the expectation is, is Drew Aller. Um, and the way that Penn State handles its preseason is, right, it goes roughly three weeks and then extends its game week for uh, like a, about a half week before. Right. Um, and so more or less uh, – McSorley was named on the Wednesday, not of the game week, but the Wednesday before. And Clifford was named, actually Clifford was named on a Friday as a social media post, right? Like it it wasn't actually an announcement. It was just a social media post. But uh, yeah, you know, I I put some. That's happening this year. That's happening this year for sure. We're not going to ask the question. They're going to announce that news. I mean. That gets engagement. That's that is a good point. Maybe maybe I'm undermining my own argument here, but it, to me, we there will be a media availability. I believe the date is August 23rd. It's a Wednesday. It's day um, after my birthday. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the date that I've I've circled in my head as okay. This is when this is when we can put aside that undertone and, yeah. and start to, uh, uh, you know, analyze this for what it is, which is, Hey, Drew Aller is, I mean, th- there's other questions that go along with it, right? Is Drew yeah. Aller a captain? Because Sean Clifford was named a captain as a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Uh, even right. Even in that first uh, instance, there are open captainships. Is that, is that the way that this is going to go? Mm-hmm. Frankly, I think yes. And we'll find out, uh, I think right around that date, August 23rd. So remind me, is it is it two captains per unit? So there's six total. You know, things fluctuate, right? Okay. But given the way that that James talked about, uh, James talked about leadership in the spring as something that it, instead of this core of a couple of voices that had really strong leadership skills, it was a little broader. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe seven, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that there are some options out there. Um, 
but yeah, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I you know, leadership is something that we talk about, and it's always a great talking point. But yep. I'm not sure that it it uh, it necessarily moves the needle. Is like is is this actually definable? <laughs> right? like, exactly. Yeah. You know. So, in any case, but still, so, something interesting uh, for us to watch as this preseason goes along. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive into the rest of the offense. Um, so, I, did, did you check the notes? This is um, the awkward transition where you were supposed to. Where start I have to ask. The, oh man. Because like I was on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Well, hey, T. Frank. Hey, what did Nate. you see? What yeah, did you see so- on offense? We actually had a we actually had a great conversation last night, uh, as you were trying to tell me in five minutes um, exactly what you saw on the offensive side of the ball. So rather than me relaying what you said to me, why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell everyone what uh, what you saw last night? Yeah, it was a fantastic conversation where uh, I was driving home from practice with my wife in the car and you were on your porch with your son screaming in the background. So it was it was incredibly thorough and detailed. Uh, There's nothing to gain really from what we saw from the quarterbacks yesterday because it was exactly what we saw in the spring where, you know, Drew Aller goes through most of the drills first when the, all the quarterbacks are together. So, for example, running RPO plays um, and uh, play action passes, things where the quarterbacks are kind of on their own or with the running backs. And then when they get with the receivers, they split the field. And I do think you saw the, the, the pecking order of Drew Aller, and you can see it in the videos that, you know, w- that we put together. Drew Aller on one side, Bo Prabula on the other, Jackson Smolik right behind Aller, and then the non-scholarship guys behind Perbula. So, like, you can see where everyone is kind of in that, where they have to make a defi- a, a strong definition so that Perbula and Aller both get those starting reps we're talking about. And then the receivers cycle through both sides, and, and they get it's super efficient to get as many receivers as much time as possible with each quarterback. Um, so that is all the same from what we've seen every single time through practice over the last several seasons. Uh, the receivers, to me, is, is what really caught my eye. Um, Keandre Lambert-Smith was the guy leading the group, although you and I talked about this, like, who goes through the line in drills? That's not going to matter until around the time that we have the quarterback conversation because they're not splitting first team, second team, two deep, third and fourth team practice squad just yet. Everyone is going through, and uh, and it, it's just kind of a whoever, however they decide to line up, and whatever the, the criteria are, it's that for that day. Uh, but guys that stood out, and the guy that I'm going to get to right away, is Liam Clifford. Liam Clifford looks really good. And I think it's a natural pairing. I've been talking, I wrote about this yesterday, and kind of reviewed our spring highlights from Marcus Hagens and trying to get to know him a little bit better and see if our first blush assumptions were correct. He seems like a guy that focuses on breaking tackles, and the physicality of the receiver position of making sure that you're in a great position to catch the football and like you got your you lower your center of gravity, you get your hips low, you catch the football so then you can burst left or right or absorb a hit when you get, you know, contact with with a defensive back or a linebacker. So it seems like they're really working on that and that really plays into Liam Clifford's game. 6-1, nearly 200 pounds. He seems like he's taken all the coaching. I've seen literally him apply what they do in the drills to certain routes when they're running them on air with the quarterbacks in that situation I just talked about. So real life translation of those things, I imagine 
that his coach really appreciates that. And he seems like a guy that is just crisp and going through the drills quickly and is making the most out of all of, all of those reps, which to me says that's going to be a guy who factors in this year. He's absolutely going to be a guy that factors into that three to five receivers that we've been talking about in that, that kind of upper tier. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about him a little bit more this spring, just based on what I saw of those guys and how they were going through everything. He just seemed like a guy who was doing everything the right way. How, how about Caden uh, Saunders? I mean, he's got to be in that group too, right? It, it does feel like there's a little bit of a... Um... I don't know if people were disappointed last year or, yeah. or what the sentiment was necessarily that the, those true freshmen weren't able to make much of an impact at the receiver position, but it, it does seem like, Hey, uh, patience is a virtue, right? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe give these guys a little bit of time, let them develop a little bit. Uh, did you, uh, did you start to see that out of Caden? Yes. So they, they updated the depth chart or the depth chart, excuse me, the roster. And, you know, as much as we did, we make too much of heights and weights. I love heights and weights. And uh, <laughs> Saunders was uh, 180 pounds, which if we remember back in the spring, Chuck Losey talked about him being too heavy last year, having to strip off the bad weight of heat. He came in, one of the things in his profile, Caden Saunders profile was he was kind of undersized, needed to get stronger to break more tackles based on the way he was used in high school. He didn't break a lot of tackles as kind of a wildcat quarterback. You want to see that. So you could tell he was working on getting bigger and stronger, but he was doing it, you know, not the Penn State way. So he had to strip all that weight down. He had a lot of that rough transition his first year and built back. And he's built back. And you can see the way, just in a couple of clips here, talking about confidence and the way he bursts turning the corner. To me, that was impressive, watching what he was able to do in terms of his confidence going through drills. I know that's just kind of a simple thing that you saw there if you're watching on the YouTube channel, but that was not how he performed last year. He did not go through drills with confidence. He was a guy that yep. looked like he was looking around a whole lot. Yep. So seeing that from him and seeing that confidence, as much as it was kind of just a preliminary view and we're not seeing anything, as we mentioned, depth chart-wise, it was a notable change in his demeanor, and I think that's a great encouraging sign for him as a guy, as you mentioned, a former top 100 player that people were expecting a lot of immediately, but yeah. that transition was was tough. And this is, again, where I'm talking about the, the impact of Marcus Hagens. These guys, as a whole, for the most part, the guys that stood out to me, they're going through the drill with more aggressiveness and more confidence instead of just being a guy that's counting his steps and he's, you know, thinking about how he's turning. They're doing it, but they're doing it with an attitude, which is what brings us to Amari Evans. Because Amari Evans, like he has been a runaway freight train, as I think I described in this offseason. Every time I try, I think about him, I'm like, yeah, former quarterback, he's got a, a ways to go. But he's been so aggressive as a as a football player. And again, his demeanor going through these things, he just stands out as a and he's he's big. Like he's gotten a lot bigger too. So those guys, to me, stood out in terms of how they performed and kind of, you know, when we're gauging these very small things, trying to take just nuggets away and, and store them away to kind of uh, see if we're right later, that's what I took away from those guys. T. Frank, Charles Bolton is stealing my thunder here, but let's stop talking <laughs> about the old toys and talk about the new toys. Dante Cephas, what, what do you got? Uh, so not much, actually. And this is one of the problems of my observations come through what comes through my lens? If you're watching here, we're playing the, the highlights just of uh, just of, of Liam Clifford. He, he was in my view quite a bit. But also, I was with the receivers a lot, and I didn't get a whole a lot from Dante Cephas. So 
he went through the drills pretty consistently as the final scholarship player. Mm-hmm. And kind of like we talked about, like that doesn't mean he's buried on the depth chart. That means he's in his first official practice. That was yesterday the first official practice, or they practiced it on was. Tuesday. No, okay. it was yesterday. So their first official practice, he's hanging back and he's kind of watching and observing instead of trying to assert himself on a new group of players that is, you know, still relatively new as a guy who's been here since the summer. So I took it more as he was kind of reading the room and, and, and kind of getting himself acclimated. I'm sure when we go and see practice the next time, there'll be a different order of players and he'll go through things a little bit differently. Um, you know, once he gets a couple of practices under his belt. So kind of a, a slow easing into it from from Dante Cephas. And and part of that is, like I said, because he didn't come through my camera lens a whole lot. But also, I think that was telling. Guys like uh, the, the guys we mentioned, and then uh, Malik Mega was another guy who was near the front of the line and got a lot of reps during the drills that we observed. So 70 receptions and eight touchdowns or no? What? <laughs> Give me you a know, read here. I, um, so that's, that's going to be under, <laughs> under, under for sure. Just because I do think that there's a lot of guys that can contribute and a good quarterback. I mean, I mean, I think a good quarterback doesn't load all the targets into one receiver unless that's how the offense is flowing. Like, yeah. uh, you, you know, you have Jahan Dotson and he dominated so much, but a lot of those care, a lot of those catches were the run game isn't working. So let's throw some screens. And, and, you know, maybe 128 receptions is too much for a healthy offense to go to one guy. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think he can be a contributor. It's going to be that battle between Evans and Cephas yep. at that outside receiver position. That's the one that I think is the biggest battle for a starting position in this group this year. We we did not talk about Keandre, and I feel like we have to talk about Keandre. He's – he's. I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a vibe for whether or not people talk about him enough. I, I guess sometimes yeah. I feel like they don't. Um, did, did you get the sense that he is in command? Because that's what this is about, right? Is, yeah. is This is his show. This in is his, his show, and it's time for him to, to do it. In his own way, yes. I think that he uh, was the, the leader of that group. And so this is something, even, even this summer, um, Marcus Hagens talked about Caden Saunders, or Caden Saunders, excuse me, Liam Clifford. All the names are all running together. They're all going to be one receiver by the end. Um, Liam Clifford is a guy who's a leader of the group uh, in terms of setting an example of doing things right and going through the drill, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, I think, sets the tone for the group. And I think if you, if you want to parse it that way, that's what I see. Uh, I saw from Lambert-Smith is that the intensity and um, you know, kind of some vocal leadership not afraid to get in somebody's face all that. I do think in his own way, he's being a leader for the group and everyone leads differently and everyone's style of leadership is different. So yeah, I do think from that perspective and then going through the, the, the drills and going through the, the receiving uh, practice of portion, you can see he's fluid and explosive. He's everything you want him to be as a receiver. Um, so it's just going to be about getting into a rhythm with Drew Aller as that one-two punch as the quarterback receiver, you know, Nick Singleton, that triplet combination we always talk about. I, I think I think it's fair, T. Frank, for us to not dance around it, right? We're 25 minutes in. Let's yeah. let's get into it. There was there was a little bit of a dust up. You saw yeah. it. I didn't see it. Yeah. Well, tell tell us what happened yesterday with with Keandre. Uh, okay, so they were going through a drill. The receivers were going through a drill, um, and one of the other younger receivers. Uh, went through the drill and and Keandre turned around and said something to him. 
couldn't hear exactly what it was, but it caused some words, which then got a little bit chippy, got a little bit in your face, and guys had to be separated. Um, mm. and, and that's, you know, that was, that, that's what I'm talking about. And, and your way of leading of like a zero tolerance policy, maybe, is what we saw from Keandre Lambert Smith of, hey, do the drill right or do this right. I, that, it's totally an assumption. It's, it's not, I can't guarantee that he just didn't say something to, yeah. uh, to the other receiver. But they had to be separated, and then um, you know, eventually everyone was came back to practice and and was was uh, going through the drill later. Um, but it was that's what, I'm, what the intensity of that group, the competition of that group is real. There is a real tension um, on the offense and in that group of how they're competing and how good they want to be and what they want to be as kind of an offense in general. Yeah, I don't think it's funny. But- but uh, I, I would guess that 90% of the viewers and Penn State fans would welcome that, right? Yeah. Like that incident. It's like, hey, like, no, that's what you want. You don't, you don't want uh, going through the motions at this point. You want some fire. You want some, uh, some juice. And I mean, you know, look, at this point, preseason camp in the NFL is so publicized that you see yeah. it all the time, right? It's a, it's a daily clip of guys dusting up. At, yep. uh, in, in NFL preseason camps, there's just not that level of access in college football, but yeah. for us to see it in the 15, the 15 minutes that we were at practice, yeah. you, you can, uh, it, there's no p- point in, you know, uh, pretense, right? Like yeah. you might as well it's just a, get it's into a it. healthy it's sign, happening. right? Yeah. If sure. you're creating, these are a bunch, it was funny. Like I was watching all my clips back and I was remembering in the moment, it's like, there are like, that is a very dude thing, right? Yeah. Where, where tensions flare, people get in each other's face. And then like Penn state's coaching staff did a great job of just quashing it. And, and you know, it doesn't go farther than that. Um, James Franklin talked to the other receiver for a little bit. He went back into practice and, and that level of fire, like that's what you're looking for. You you're creating an environment where that's possible as long as it doesn't, distract from practice and it doesn't take away from what you're doing uh mike says this clifford does look great uh not sure if it's because he switched from the grungy 82 to the classy number two mike you and i agree on a lot of things but one of the guys that stood out to me was uh was um christian driver because he was wearing 80. i love Mm. the old school wide receivers in the eights like i i grew up on the 80s the 83s the 82s i love it so you know, as much as in college the the single digits look good, I love an old school guy that has that eighty jersey. Give me, give me my Randy Moss, my eighty four. Right, never right. let it go. Absolutely. Uh, so that's really the the main thing I looked at at the receivers uh, and the quarterbacks. Running backs, Nick Singleton looked like Nick Singleton. Um, you know, I saw them mostly going through receiver drills more so than the, than the running back drills because there's only so many times you can watch Nick Singleton get a handoff and not run somebody over before you're like, okay, this is the same thing I saw last year. He's um, good. Offensive line, it, you know, I didn't get down there because I was focusing so much on the receivers. Uh, but the defense, I'm excited to hear, just like everybody else in the chat, how uh, – how everything went on that side of the ball, because there's a lot of interesting storylines. So where do you want to start with what you saw? And and by the way, before we get into that, and I apologize for getting you all ready and keyed up. I was up, ready to go. I was ready. Yeah. Uh, we do got to get to a couple of other things. The first is that you can read everything Nate's about to say and more <laughs> at bluewhiteillustrated.com because we've got an awesome deal for you just this week. Camp special. It's $1 
for a month of access so you can get if this is your first time for new subscribers if you're here in the channel and you haven't taken the plunge yet it's a dollar for a month get all the inside information you can get uh, practice observations the things that we're not telling you here there's things that i saw on the offense that i'm not i'm not talking about here on the show either so check that out, bluewhiteillustrated.com for premium access and to the message board where you get some really interesting and in-depth insight from our awesome crew of reporters. Nobody does it like Blue White Illustrated. We are the number one the number one site in Penn State football coverage, and you can get it for a dollar. I also want to mention, you can get it for $74, 25% off for the full year. As much as a dollar is a deal, that's the real deal, is, is deal. getting 25% get <laughs> getting off. Better also, deal. Go for it. No, I was just gonna say it's a look, you're saving eight dollars with the one dollar deal, and then yeah. you get into the ten dollars a month. Nobody wants to do this monthly. Yeah. You gotta be with us for, for 12 months a year. That's why we're here. I exist for you, dear reader, <laughs> dear yeah. viewer. Yeah. So somebody asked in the chat, like, does T Frank sleep? No, I don't take days off. We're we're no. there at the site. We work seven days a week, even in the off season, to the point that my wife is kind of annoyed with me uh, about that. So uh, you're getting so much content for for twenty five percent off. Also, today's sh show sponsor, RogueShop.com. Uh, Charles asked this in the chat and uh, as a joke, and I appreciate the the compliment he's asking. Does T Frank sleep? Is he human? Yeah, I don't sleep great uh, because I'm going a thousand miles an hour all the time and I can't shut my brain off. Well, that's not good because every time I wake up after a good night's sleep, I have more better ideas than when I, uh, you know, I'm working until 10 o'clock at night and then wake up and do the live show. When you actually sleep, your brain gets better. And for me, I need RogueShop.com. These helpful, um, uh, these are the delta nine gummies or excuse me the delta eight gummies and uh, they come in different uh, potency they come in different sizes and shapes and I'll, just to people that are curious like these are non-habit forming um here's one of the gummies as you can see i just have bit the corners off of it and that's how much i need that's my dosage to get a good night's sleep this thing is basically full and i've had it for over a month so if you have issues and you're concerned about like ah, i don't know if i want to like have a habit forming thing they aren't, and they can help you live a more healthy, holistic life. Um, so check out rogueshop.com, as they've called it on the uh, message board over at Lions and T. Frank's Gummies. Use the promo code BWI to get 10% off at rogueshop.com. Uh, if you've got pain, chronic pain, chronic illnesses that cause inflammation long-term, they have CBD and all kinds of other things that, um, that can help you uh, abate those symptoms and live a more helpful fruitful life and i'm super excited to bring in our latest sponsor here to the show and that is alum lodge alum lodge is a customized service to meet unique needs of each guest stay when you come for a penn state football game you spend maybe thousands of dollars on tickets depending on what package you're buying do you really want to come and stay in somebody's basement and share half a house or do you want to live it up in style? They have multiple locations across Center County, Belfont. Um, they have some in Toft Trees and Park Forest. So if you're if you're familiar with the area, two miles from the stadium, four miles from the stadium, ten miles from the stadium, whole houses that you can rent, three bedroom, one and a half bath in Belfont. Uh, they have one in Park Forest that's a five bedroom, four bath house. These are great places if you want to come and spend a full weekend. Uh, make your trip to happy valley special they prepare 
shop and arrange the home to your specifications for your stay. So if you're looking to live it up for a weekend in Happy Valley, you want to do it. the. This is how I like to do stuff. If I'm going to spend money on something, I want it to be the experience I want. And I'm super excited to have Alum Lodge with us. Uh, so check them out for your stay for a Penn State football game. So go to alum, A-U-L-M, lodge, L-O-D-G-E dot com to reserve your stay today or call 814-424-3266. That's 814-424-3266. Appreciate it to have Alum Lodge on the show. And if you go to Ticksman Gym, you could, it's a one-stop shop for you to come to a Penn State football game. It's pretty great, Nate. I'm doing it. All yeah. of it. I might actually put my house on there. <laughs> so that people can can rent yeah. and see this wall just in person. They want to take it in. Everybody wants to know. They come over and they say, Nate, where's the shiplap? I got to see it. I know. <laughs> I know it's there. Maybe that'll be next. Oh, man. So, so much to talk about. Uh, we're 34 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to the defense. So the mailbag, whew, we've, we've got a show today. So I'll try to get through a lot of this a little bit more quickly. But from the defensive side of the ball, like I said, most of that stuff, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. We gave you the yep. offense here. Go yep. check it out there. But what are some of the takeaways you want to give us from the defense? Kobe King. Woo! Moving on. No. Uh, yeah, so Kobe, Kobe King was was kind of the first guy in that line on the uh, for the linebackers. And was announced as such, right? I, 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 I'm not saying it's a changing of the guard. I'm not saying or suggesting that anything is necessarily set in stone. But I noticed it, right? I, I, you know, mm -hmm. it was it was a it was a thing. It was a thing. And given given um, you know some of the the health concerns that Tyler Elston has had, uh, you know what you would expect of that position, right? You you want your Mike linebacker to be the guy. And so when, when Kobe King is going through drills first and kind of setting the example for Abdul Carter, for Curtis Jacobs, I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming you would have uh, noticed that as well. And I think, I think for a lot of people who follow Penn state football, this is something that has been, uh, you know, in the making for a while, maybe, I, I, yeah. you know, I think that's kind of a fair way to put it is this was uh, something that people maybe had hoped for, last year that, that yeah. he wasn't quite ready to get there. But I did think that uh, it was notable and noticeable how the strides that he took through, through the second half of last season, I thought that yeah. Kobe King was a better, a better linebacker, a better player, uh, had a better grasp of the defense that, cause that was, that was the hangup, right. Was, yep. was getting to that point. And I think he, he demonstrated that a little bit last year. And so to see this is not, um, you know, like I said, you don't want to read too much into it, but I do think you want to read a little bit into it. You want, yeah. to, you want to pay attention to that for sure. You, you can follow some of the, the breadcrumbs, right? And this is where like the logical assumptions and kind of reading the context clues behind stuff. So, um, you know, Tyler Elsden not participating in spring. Some of the things we saw that we do, we, you know, we don't report injuries when we see them, but, you know, things that we saw this offseason, not seeing them in spring practice, you put one and two together and, you know, that that's a lot of time and a lot of ground to cede to Kobe King when you're not in spring practice to then try and come in and be the same guy and still keep the same reps that you did before that. And this is this is a fact of, of football. Sometimes that's what leads to a guy taking over. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that it is a thing and it's something that we can we can talk about seriously. Doesn't mean that Tyler Elson isn't going to play right. He's still a, a player that I think they're going to have on the field. But 
there might be that flip that we can talk about. Uh, yep. Mike put this in the chat. I always appreciate donations to the channel. And Mike, thank you very much. He says, really appreciate the dedication and the content. Here's a couple bucks for some more gummies to keep you going. Yeah, <laughs> feed, <laughs> feed me with those so I can feed you with Penn State football analysis and content. Uh, anything else from the defense linebacker? That's a big thing that, a pe that people yeah. want that actually addresses something kind of in the mailbag for later. But uh, other observations you want to share quickly uh, and, yeah. and, you know, just give a little hint what we got. Yeah, so two things. One one is that I'm going to push people to the defensive update because I do have a little bit of insight on the defensive tackle situation, which I think is something that a lot of people are following, right? Is everybody wants to know what's coming after after PJ Mustafer, where does Akeem Beeman fit, Devon Ellis, Kazia Izzard is a guy that people are talking about here in the chat. Uh, you know, even Jordan Vandenberg, right, is is where do all these, these guys fit? And I think that there's a little bit of, of a glimpse that uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, keep secret here, but uh, push guys to the site so they can, they can check that out and get a little bit of that insight. Um, and then, and then more broadly, the thing that nobody uh, is going to be surprised to hear me say, it struck me how, you know, you see, you see the defense go through the lines, right. And they're, they're yep. switching station to station and defensive tackles, defensive ends, linebackers, the corners and safeties. And the number of dudes, just like studs <laughs> guys that it just doesn't, it doesn't let up. Right. You, you see chop and then right behind him is denied then a sudden. Right. And you see Abdul Carter and right behind him is, is Curtis Jacobs. Right. You see Kalen King and Johnny Dixon and, and, you know, just you name it. It's just, there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of name recognition, a lot of name power for a team that, and a unit that was really good last year and lost some big pieces, right? Jair Brown, you, like he's not there. Yeah. Uh, PJ Mustafer, he's not there. But you know who I didn't notice not being there yesterday? Those guys. <laughs> because there's, <laughs> there's just so much. It's just so plentiful yeah. that uh, it, it's really, you know, I, I hate to be part of the machine, the hype machine and, and blowing things out of proportion, but it just has the look of, of that type of a defense, right? I mean, if it's, if it's not a very, very nationally relevant, I'm not going to put a number on it for top 10 or top 15 or top five, yeah. but if they're not up in that conversation, I would be stunned. That's just, you know, early, early impressions of this, uh, this group this year. Yeah, it's. So many dudes, as you put it, and, and Zane just, Durant. I didn't even mention him. Like yeah. just so, yeah, they got they got a lot of that uh, on on that team this year. We got an awesome crowd here today. People want to know about Drew Aller. They want to know about the Penn State offense, how this team looks. Uh, if you're here and you're enjoying the content, we're 40 minutes in and you're you're joining us. Please like the video because it always helps us with the Almighty Algorithm us grow the channel so we can get you more of this information as the season unfolds but right now we got to get to your questions in the chat and from bluewhiteillustrated.com oh i love the mailbag get a sponsor for the mailbag like we got to get a sponsor like a mail service to sponsor the mailbag because this thing fedex is yeah off with stuff today so i want to get to some of these in the chat uh in just a second but i got to go through them and and kind of sort out what we need to get to 
so we'll start with this from the Lions Den message form. DCPSU says he'd like to have some more detailed analysis of the right tackle and the middle linebacker on defense. And just like in Jeopardy, I'd prefer to have all of our questions in the form of question. Uh, but we gave you some of that middle linebacker talk. Right tackle. Uh, Nate, you have any yeah. more detailed analysis on the right tackle for us, uh, you know, from heading into the season? Look, I, I just, I don't, I think it's consistent, which is, it felt to me like the fan sentiment was wanting Drew Shelton to be able to make that move. And if not unseat Caden Wallace, then certainly give him a run for his money. I don't see that uh, at all, <laughs> you know, and, and I think it's, there's a duality to it. It's not just, it's not just Drew Shelton, uh, you know, not being able to slide over as effortlessly, effortlessly to the right side as he is on the left. It's also Caden Wallace having a great spring. It's also Caden mm-hmm. Wallace being in a, a much better place, I think, than maybe at any other point in his career. And I get it. I've seen the analysis. I've seen the conversation. He is not Olu, right? He's not the, the twinkle toes, right? Light on his feet, just uh, throwing people around. I, I, I get that. But I do think that Penn State has a confidence that he can hold that position down and be good, be, be not just serviceable, but be good. Uh, and so it'll, it'll be super interesting to see um, this season, how, how that plays out. But I don't think on first glance that what maybe is being thirsted for in terms of a, a viable unseating. I don't think that's there. I don't think that's on the roster. I I, I just don't, I don't think it's there. So that's, um, yeah, that's my detailed analysis of, uh, of the right tackle position. Yeah. And so it's not uncommon either. Like if you go through the big 10 teams and, and the teams that have two good pass protecting tackles, it's thin. It's not what you think either. And this is something I've been kind of championing over the last couple of months is Penn State running the football and staying in good, positive down and distance is going to help Cade Walsh look better because you're not putting him in yeah. bad situations. Go back to the Michigan offensive line and some of the some of the maybe mistaken, hot takey analysis I had of them last year was I saw weaknesses, but you couldn't exploit them because they were never in third and 15. You know, their, their right tackle, I, I thought... Chop Robinson can get by that guy for sure. But he only had like four or five opportunities to have like real pass rushing situations in that game last year. So Caden Wallace, that's an area he's 340 pounds now. That that right side of the offensive line is huge at this point. So can they stay the down and distance and keep themselves in good positions? I think that's that's a real part of the conversation of his improvement is not putting him in bad situations. The the one the thing the way that I'd like to phrase it is of all the things Penn State fans should hope for at that position, it's for Caden Wallace to play really well, right? Yeah. You're, the hope should no longer be, oh, you hope that there's a better option. Um, it's, it's no, you should, you should be hoping that Caden Wallace plays up to, uh, you know, what I think is being hoped for him this season and certainly what the hopes are for himself. I mean, he, he, uh, he, I talked to him this summer. I, I had a great interview with him. He, he just feels like he's in a good place. And uh, certainly if you're a Penn state fan, I think that's the way that this should be framed is not, Hey, is there, is there going to be an intense, you know, battle for right tackle that you might see some movement? I, I, I don't think so, yeah. but you know, we'll see. 
Losi's mustache is here, uh, and he wants to know, without taking the answer of DDS, he's saying, deny Dennis Sutton off the table. Which non-starter do you think gets the most snaps on offense and defense by the end of the year? Nate, do you have any opinions on that? I, I think this is a tough question off the bat because we're still determining some places where those starters are going to be starters and where they're not going to be starters. So yeah. do, you have, do you have a couple names in mind knowing that that's still a little unsettled, which is you know what we're going through in camp right now? Yeah, let me. I need to think about it. My first cop out answer is Katron Allen. <laughs> oh yeah, but offense and defense. I was just thinking about the defense. defense. He led me right to the defense with deny. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know. I think. I think that those safeties, right? Zachy Wheatley is going to play a ton. I, I don't yeah. know if he'll start, but I think he's going to play a ton. Uh, you know, and that's a that's a place where you can you can see some some they're going to involve everybody. I feel yeah. like on that back end of the defense. Um, how about you? What are you, what are you cam Miller? I've been thinking a lot about the cornerback position. And I think cam Miller is going to be a bigger storyline than we're thinking because they want to play three, four corners at times. And yep. where are those numbers coming from? So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Somebody has a question about that for the message board. So cam Miller would be the guy that comes to mind for me because they, they genuinely, they want to play three corners, not totally in a co-starter thing like they did with Dixon and King last year, but you know, not far off from that. And then offensively, uh, again, I'd go to Liam Clifford because he's not going to be the starter in the slot, but he's going to see a lot of time. And I think those are two guys that that's a guy that's going to be an integral part of the offense. Beach wine guy asks this question, which is a fair question. You brought your wife to practice. Um, we have one car. <laughs> so I picked her up from work afterwards because I, we live a little bit farther outside of town now. So arranging the rides is a little bit different than what it used to be when we lived nine minutes from Sir, work. You are a great steward of the environment. I acknowledge and respect your, uh, your, your impact on uh, keeping, keeping vehicles to a minimum. I know other I people that do that. that. Yeah. I got a lot. I, of, I got a lot of friends that have one car. So it is both that and the economics of uh, when her car died five years ago, we um, we just got rid of it and we couldn't afford to get a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, I, I, I genuinely want that. I also want to get an electric car here as the, the replacement for that six years later. But we've got a house. So there's all kinds of things going on instead of that. Uh, does defensive tackle look to be as big of a concern as we thought, or were fans just freaking out? James Franklin, right to be excited, as he talked about at Big Ten Media Days. He's been kind of ramping up the, hey, defensive mm -hmm. tackle, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about the defensive tackle situation from RD24? Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's complicated, right? If I'm If I'm being honest, I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's more than two teams that can exploit it, right? That, that, the defensive tackle is such a weakness because it's not, it's, it's, it's not a weakness. It's the question is, can they be good to great? And I don't really have an answer for that. I, I, I mean, your guess on Hakeem Beeman is as good as mine, right? Yep. Devon Ellis, uh, you know, cause I is her, I, I think we know what we're expecting out of Zane Durant, but that's Zane Durant is still somewhat of a specialty guy, right? Like I, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see what his impact is and whether or not that can be mitigated by the two teams on the schedule that everybody is expecting to pound it down Penn state's throat. And and yep. really there's, there's only one, it's not, it's not even really two. I mean, may, maybe Illinois 
you can add to that list, but you know, maybe Iowa, but uh, you know, should it be such, I get the sense that people have flashbacks to to Michigan last year and it just like has, it has, it's emotional taken over the it's, it's the brain space, right? It's just like completely taken over. Uh, I'm not saying that won't happen again. I I would just simply say, uh, do I think the defensive tackles have the ability to be pretty good this year? Yeah, I do. I I do think that that, uh, that talent is on the roster. Uh, So I'm going to take this to mean the blue white illustrated staff, not the Penn state staff. I'm not going to answer for somebody else, but besides from punter and kicker, what position is the staff most concerned about not being at a championship level? Uh, That defensive tackle position. I I phrased it this way and I'm going to say it again. You don't need to have, you don't need to have all pros and all Americans at every position. You just need to have answers. And I think the defensive tackles to James Franklin's point of his excitement is I think he feels like they have answers there. Like they, they have worked themselves physically and, you know, from a maturity standpoint in a position where they can be an answer. They might not be a strength, but they will be an answer. Yeah. So then you go to what are the other positions that uh, I have questions about? And I come back to receiver again, like, again, you might feel optimistic, but there are questions about that group's ability to take Marcus Higgins coaching. And again, I'm talking about this. This to me seems like a, a big thing. Last year, they couldn't get open against uh, tight man coverage, and they struggled traditionally to catch the ball in contested catch situations. I see a lot of work on those things at practice. So can this group be more of that? Um, they've got really young guys across the board. Even Trey Wallace, you know, in his third year, is still kind of a young guy in football overall. So Keander Lambert-Smith, Dante Cephas are the veterans, and you got to have young guys playing like veterans. So... I, I, I struggle with, I think Kobe King can be an answer there at Mike Linebacker. And I don't really have any other areas that I think are, are you know, huge question marks. Maybe right tackle, you know, coming back to yeah. that position. Maybe right tackle if you are in a situation where you have to rush the passer and you're in a, let's say you're in the Big Ten Championship game and you, just the margin for error, you can't dictate the situation all the time. You're going up against teams that are as complete as you. Uh, that right side of the line in general, I think, is still susceptible as it stands on paper right now to to being beaten by elite pass rushers. And my input is the one thing that nobody wants to talk about. Quarterback. <laughs> yes. Ultimately, that's the real one, right? That's right? the I mean, biggest like, wild card. I'm not, and I'm not saying that, he, that, that Drew can't be a national championship quarterback. And I'd actually make the argument against myself that you might not need to have the, the All-American, the Heisman winner at, yeah. at quarterback to win a national championship. I think that there's been plenty of evidence over the last few years that you can. But does it help? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It really helps if you have if you have a dude back there who can get it done. And I have no doubt about Drew Aller's ability to make throws. He is such a bookworm. Like he he cares about the game. Like all yep. all the the stuff that you can say to shower praise on this kid, absolutely it's warranted. And he deserves the hype that he's getting coming into this season. But I you know, Trace McSorley, you saw him get it done when it yep. had to get done. Yep. Right. And that's the thing. That's the intangible that we just, we're just not going to know. Like it's just, it's just something that people are going to have to get comfortable with until it's the clutch. And it's, it's yeah. that moment. And it's that time where he's got to make a play and go get it done. Yeah. We've seen flashes of it. We've seen flashes of it not work. I think also in the blue white game, I saw some flashes of him 
kind of get rattled by pressure, but who knows? Like it's the blue white game. It's not, it's not the (laughs) there's no real stakes there, you know, with, with wins and losses that matter for all of this stuff. So we have to, yeah, we have to find out. Um, OC lion asked this question. Why is it so difficult for Penn state to attract and recruit elite five-star wide receivers? Now he, he gives himself an out here by saying elite, also five-star receivers like that. Not every elite receiver is a five-star, but how many five stars at any other position does Penn State get regularly? Like, you know, we talk yeah. about defensive end has been good. They got Chop Robinson through the portal. Kalen King was not a five star. Yeah, I think you can count on one hand the number of five stars at other positions they've gotten. But I do agree with the point of, of consistently getting the guys that can be difference makers at receiver. And Nate, this is one area we give James Franklin praise for being a good talent evaluator and finding the right coach for the position. This is one area that I think is still a hangover from the earlier times we've talked about where maybe he couldn't get the guy he wanted and there were some surprises. There always seems to be a surprise at this position when yep. they change uh, the, the coordinator or the, the position coach. So it seems like one area where the, the coach at that position does seem to be like Higgins has to change that narrative. It, it is, it is kind of like that question. The tone of the question is interesting because I'm not even sure that I disagree with it. Yeah. But I have this mountain of evidence of, of, receivers in the NFL that are killing it right now who right. were all who all matriculated under James Franklin. So I, I don't really know the answer to that, but I, I know that KJ Hamler came up under James Franklin. I know that John Dotson did it. Chris Godwin, like there, there's this long list of, of players who have, who have done that in the league through yeah. James Franklin's tenure. Yeah. Uh, it's just a question the- of, it's the comparative thing of those are one guy for a team. So Chris right. Godwin is the guy. KJ Hamler's the guy for a little bit. Jahan Dotson's the guy for a little bit. And comparatively, and again, this is the who's your next door neighbor. You've got Ohio State that's got all three of those guys on one team. And they it just they roll three or four deep. That's an abnormality. Yep. But it is also a part of they do need to, I think, get more of those guys consistently. So it's not all on one receiver to be the guy and you have multiple options and you can kind of get guys to grow through the program and not have these dips and valleys where somebody's learning to be the guy. It's it's kind of easy to do in hindsight, but it is it is interesting post Aller commitment, right? becoming part of the program that there wasn't, that there wasn't a stronger class that there, yeah. that there wasn't a stud, like a, a, just a huge get out of that class. And I guess the Caden would be in that ballpark in terms of where he was evaluated, but yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a fair critique and I'm not sure that I have the answer yet, um, but it, it'll be interesting to see what Marcus Hagan's uh, impact is on that position moving forward. Yeah, that's going to be, I think, a huge variable this year. This is a great question, something I've thought about a lot, um, and that's not be, that's not why it's a great question. It's just a great question. But Yoki Keekley asks, with Kyle Hamilton Kyle Hamilton having huge success as a big nickel defender in Baltimore, could you imagine Dakari Nelson in a similar kind of role with having comparable measurables? Uh, Yoki, that's what that's what Manny Diaz's defense was before he got to Penn State. They played a big nickel. All the time. That's what the that linebacker position, that field linebacker where Curtis Jacobs and uh, you know Brandon Smith started his career. That's what they did with that position. Is they played a slot defender that was either a an aggressive corner or a safety with coverage skills. So I was shocked when they went back to not Jonathan Sutherland all the time, but with Curtis Jacobs out there and actually made that switch to put three linebackers on the field. 
long term, if Manny Diaz is here for four or five years, Nelson is on the roster. They're recruiting uh, Dejon Lane, another guy that has similar size. And like, does that become what they want to do? I I don't know because what I thought was a, an ironclad rule. They went the other direction last year. So that that is the point of this defense. And by the way, that's what happens on third down. The Prowler package is what Tig Brown, that's what he performed for them. So they, they do stuff like that already. And uh, the difference in this defense in college is I'm always thinking of stuff, Nate, in an NFL term of you want to have 11 guys in the field and never take them off the field because you want to be uh, available for every situation at any moment. But in college, like you want to play as many guys as possible. It's clear yeah. they want to get the two deep on the field. So having specialized roles is really important. Yeah, no, that's been, that's been a hallmark of, uh, of Manny's time at Penn state is playing them, get, get yeah. fresh legs in there and uh, get a lot of reps between them. I, I want to get to everybody's question. I feel bad. We're, we got a bunch here in the chat from the, the lion's den that we're not going to get to, but we do need to address conference realignment because Nate's on the show. Oh Why would the Big Ten want to take Oregon and Washington when they would lower the pay out to all members by adding in new teams? Is this does this have to do with the TV deal in terms of living up to what they promised um, to get that big number? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think that are, are you? Let me just. I'll answer this question. Uh, you you don't necessarily want to do it if you're if you have to somehow increase the number by 70 million per school, right? Unless you're willing mm -hmm. to take out of the cut that the current member institutions are receiving. Um, unless, unless you see a future of world domination, right? right? Like uh, that, that's, that's what this is about is yep. what is, okay. You're just getting into the new contract, but that's, relatively speaking short-term thinking okay like it's like a seven-year deal eight-year deal uh what what is the next thing that's out there and it feels to me that this is the precipice just given what florida state was talking about yesterday with potentially leaving the acc is you know you might be looking at two 30-ish team leagues yeah right for sure that's that's what this is about is can you where you take full ownership, forget the college football playoff. Why like forget all of these different entities that have their hands in the pot. Have it be an NFL model where you've got the big 10 and the sec. You play for the national and, championship. And, and maybe you don't, maybe you don't, maybe you don't <laughs> play non-conference games in the first place. Right. Yeah. If, if you have, if you have 30 teams that you can schedule amongst, uh, you're good. You're good. Yeah. You can you can get a 12 game schedule out of that for literally everybody. You can have a playoff within those 30 teams, within 32 teams. Yeah. So yeah, is the 70 million number the threshold of like, oh, well, will Oregon provide 70 million dollars in value? No, absolutely not. Will Washington? No, absolutely not. Long term, could it create the the environment where you're also picking up Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, uh Texas, right? Like, no, I mean, you, Notre Dame is some in the chat. A lot of people ask about Notre Dame 100%. in this context as well. Is that something that you consider, you know, because we talk about this also in media markets and, and uh, in states that you already have captured. Yep. yep. But does the brand of Notre Dame now in this new model, is it all, is it all about getting as many uh, impact schools or is it about getting as many impact markets? 
I I think that it is schools, frankly. Be, 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 I mean, but it's it's a it's kind of a combination of those two things because I don't think it's a coincidence that NBC is getting involved in Big Ten football, right? Like this, this is it's all aligning into hey, you might we're going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. This has been financially beneficial to to Notre Dame to to have those options and to do whatever they want to do as an independent for all of these years, but there will become, or there's a potential depending on who makes moves, what dominoes fall where for Notre Dame to be left out. If yeah. they're not, if they're not part of that conversation and uh, you know, is, is it going to happen within the next couple of years? I don't know about that, but it certainly seems like there are enough people talking publicly, meaning that these conversations are all happening privately yeah. within these institutions, within these board of trustees, within these uh, president's offices, you name it. They're all saying to themselves, how do we stay on the ship? And then what ship is going to make us the most money? And, yeah. and how do we, how do we part be part of this conversation moving forward? And to me, that's, that's where it's going to be. Uh, I want to make sure we get, and we acknowledge the adventure kints. Uh, don't know what that, Totally means, but it's an RV here in the in the thumbnail. So I appreciate I appreciate you donating to the channel. Didn't ask a question. Didn't uh, provide anything else other than the donation. So appreciate you so much. If you've got uh, your opinions on who should join the Big Ten, drop them uh, in the replies to the video. Maybe we got the maybe two minutes more here in the show uh, for answering a couple more questions because I want to end on some football stuff. Uh, but quickly, Nate, this one I think is more of a statement. Assuming Oregon gets added to the Big Ten, how quickly will Nate book a golf tour to ba uh, Bandon Dunes during the first week of Penn State going to Eugene? Yeah. Um, I'm not a golf guy, but that sounds like that's a that's a fancy place, right? Yep. Golf guy. I am a golf guy, and that is a fancy place. It's I don't even know if it's fancy, but it's just it's uh, world-renowned. It's, it's supposed to be awesome. So, yes beaver hill i will do it immediately <laughs> as, as far out as they book uh the sticks will be coming with me on that trip no doubt about it a uh, couple more things here from uh bluelightillustrated.com by the way sign up for a dollar and you can get on the lines and message form and i'll try and sh cram your questions here in at the end because i'm bad at time management on the show but uh master jefe asks with corner depth being very top heavy and experienced you think guys uh, do you think Diaz will implement a plan where we see three and four corners, maybe five playing more than we typically see in the beginning of the season? I, I think that that's almost a reality. You know, looking at what they've done, they've picked one guy to burn his red shirt from the cornerback position. Um, to me, it's Elliot Washington is that guy. Is he ready to play in, at corner specifically? And is he going to be a guy who contributes on special teams to make sure it's worth it to burn his red shirt? Physically, yep. he's the one that's ready to contribute. But absolutely, I think they've got to play at least one of the young corners, whether it's him, Zion Tracy, or uh, Lamont Payne, who, by the way, can't forget Lamont Payne because he's really good at the position. You know, a guy that I think is lower rated from a recruiting standpoint, but is an excellent guy. I watched him lock down some receivers, you know, getting, again, being super aggressive and feisty in the blue-white game. I loved watching him. This is another question, and this is the last one for me. Uh, Poncho570 asks, teams has had success attacking the middle of the field against Penn State's defense last year. What do you anticipate Manny Diaz doing to rectify this issue, be it scheme adjustments or personnel improvements? This is something that I talked about uh, when Penn State hired him, Nate, is that 
his defense has, I guess, gambles and bets, risks, you know, strategic risks in it. And um, there's there's a certain thing that you can do on defense called a green dog blitz, which is if you're in a man coverage situation and you have linebackers that have responsibilities for guys that are pass blocking, running backs, tight ends, they are then triggered to blitz. That's their that's their job is now their man is blocking. So they blitz uh, that leaves the middle of the field open. You don't have those extra bodies in the middle of the field to gum up passing lanes and make the quarterback think twice about throwing over the middle of the field. I will say, I looked at the data. Penn State was, they gave up, uh, on average, higher completion percentage and a lot more yardage over the middle of the field than the rest of the Big Ten, but they shut down everywhere else. So I think it's also about, like, okay, throw it in the middle of the field. We'll tackle you. Maybe you get a first down here and there. But the 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 uh, your big plays down the middle of the field deep and down the sidelines, Penn State shut that stuff down, and they were very good at that last year. So I do think it's a give and take, In it might be – that might be a wrinkle to give that up to take away other stuff. Nobody snuffs out everything. Yep. Yep. Uh, Nate, this was a good show. I want to thank everybody. We had a huge audience today. Everyone's excited for football, and you brought it. The insight, the information, the great hair. I love it all. I had to take my son, who was pooping his pants throughout school yesterday, to get my hair cut yesterday. It was an interesting experience. That's why he's, I get he's two. He's he's two. He, I guess, <laughs> he's not a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, he's, he's not fourteen. <laughs> crapping everywhere. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, we will be back with more coverage this weekend. We'll have James Franklin's press conference um, uh, right after its conclusion here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. We uh, we have a, a super awesome way of doing that. So we'll be bringing you his comments. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And we'll, of course, have more from Media Day Sunday at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We will talk to you later. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.